0: another thing I want to say real quick before I get started is I am kind of excited Uh, I guess I'm speaking for myself at least Um, the last I don't know maybe and you can be seated here in a minute but the last couple months I'd say I felt like the the services we've been having the preaching the videos uh, even the worship to me personally has been very challenging Uh, I think you know sitting in the pews it would be very hard to to attend this church week in and week out and service in and service out and not be challenged uh, by the preaching, by the Word that God is saying to us. And, I, and, and it all is kind of interrelated. If you think about it, God is just trying to tell us something. He's trying to prepare us, whether it be for things to come or He is trying to do something. And I really believe that tonight's Word... I feel that it is the word of the Lord. Do not see me up here. Do not see Pastor Joe up here when he, see the words of the Lord. So, let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you so much for New Hope Church. We can be here and gather as the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that you gave us, Lord, that instructs us and guides us, Father God, in our walk in this life, Father God. We just thank you, Lord, for the bread of life that we do have to eat every day, Lord. And I do pray that we will listen and hear what you are telling this particular body. And Lord, I just pray that you would just hide me behind the cross, Lord, that we would hear the words of the Lord this night, Father God. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. God is just trying to drill something into our heads. He is trying to tell His people something. I actually preached this message it's actually been a long time ago, not not here at church, not here at New Hope. But actually, I used to do jail ministry years ago, and I actually shared this with the guys down at the jail one time. And some of you may have heard it somewhere along the lines, but I just call it the, the three R's in Christianity. The first R, the letter R, is rebellion. The second R is remorse. And the third R is repentance. Uh, I'm going to go through all three of those words with you, and we'll start with rebellion. That's that's the first, it's a stage. Uh, I don't think that too many people, well, I'm not going to fo- focus a whole lot on rebellion because the rebellious people, they're not here in church, and you'll understand what I mean momentarily, but let me read, let me start off by reading you the definition. We're going to do a lot of definitions of words tonight because... It's going to be awesome. You'll see what I mean. Rebellion, the definition is a defiance of or opposition to any authority or control. A defiance to any authority or control. An opposition to any authority or control. You think of rebellious people. There are some of the people you work with. Some of you have family members that are rebellious towards God. Uh, they don't care about his word. They don't care about His commandments. They could care less of what He thinks about their life. They could care less what God thinks about the way they're living, the decisions they make. They're rebellious, but they don't care. They're, they're not hungry for the Word. They don't want the Word. They don't want to come to church. They don't care if they ever do go to church. It just doesn't matter to them at all. Um, some of the people are just not hungry. Yet. You can witness the, some of the people you work with, and there might be some that are ripe, you know, through whatever happens in their life, and they'll receive it. But there are some people that are just rebellious and will not hear it. They just will not. There are rebellious people out in this world. And, and like I said, I'm not going to focus too much on the rebellious people, but the rebellious people are the people that are the tares. Do you remember the parable about the sower, the the, the wheat and the tares? Remember that parable? The the man the good, the servant goes out and he sows good seed. The Bible says, found in Matthew chapter thirteen you don't have to turn there, just listen he, he sows good seed. then at some point, the enemy comes and he sows bad seed in the night whenever he sneaks in there and he throws in bad seeds, he throws in tares when they grow up, they all say, "We sowed good seed, and there's tares that come up with the wheat. How did this happen well, i don't know. Well, then the servants say, well, shall we go and try to pick the tares out and then let the wheat grow? No, you can't do that because when you pick the tares out, you're going to rip the, weed, the, or the, the wheat up with it. So the master says, let them both grow together. Now, the rebellious people, remember, they're the tares. Let them both grow together. And then what happens? When the reapers come, the master says when the reapers come, they'll cut it all down. And then the master says, separate the wheat from the tares. The tares burn. The wheat, put it in my barn. The rebellious people are the tares. They're going to burn. The Lord doesn't focus on it. He says, the tares burn the tares. The wheat, put it in my barn. That's what he's going to do. They both grow up together. You're a Christian. This guy here isn't. He's in a state of rebellion against the Lord. He's a tare. He's going to get separated from the reaper's going to come. Someday, both of you will die, and you'll be separated. The wheat from the tares, tares be burnt. But that's it for the rebellious people. Let me move to the second R. First one's rebellion. The second one is remorseful people. Now, here's where it starts getting good. The three R's in Christianity. Rebellion, remorse, and repentance. Remorseful people. Now, this is where I think some of the church people start coming into play. If you're totally in rebellion to God, most likely you're not going to be sitting in church on a Sunday night. You're not. Now, there may be, very well may be, some remorseful people in here. Let's do the definition of remorse. Definition of remorse is a deep, torturing sense of guilt felt over a wrong that one has done let me read it to you again a deep torturing sense of guilt over a wrong that one has done you think about remorseful people i just automatically think of uh, criminals you know you've seen criminals maybe on the news or something do you have any last words at their sentencing and a lot of them not all of them a lot of them will say i'm sorry for what i did I'm sorry I killed this man. I'm sorry I stole these cars. I'm sorry. There are a lot of remorseful people out there. There are a lot of people who are sorry, whatever the reasons may be. Maybe it's because they're sorry they got caught red-handedly, but they're sorry. They feel bad for what they've done. I know myself, and I probably can speak for you also. When I commit a sin, I do feel remorseful over it whether it be maybe uh, maybe I get into a little spat with Shannon and uh, it's time for me to go to work, I'll slam the door and leave. And you know what? I might be all mad and big and bad, but on my way to work, remorse starts setting in and I'll start thinking, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. And then you feel bad and you feel guilty and it tortures you and, and something twists inside. And it just gets at you, remorse. That's what remorse is, a deep, t- torturing sense of guilt. Also can mean self-reproach. Man, you get mad at yourself because you screw up. You make mistakes. You know, That's a lot of us church people. We do. We all do. We all feel bad. But here's some important things about remorse. Listen, the Bible, there's a third R. We know that. Repentance. Remorse does not get you into heaven. Did you hear what I said? Remorse does not get you into heaven. Remorse is not repentance. I think a lot of us church people get remorse and repentance confused. You see, we make it to the state, no, we're not rebellious. I'm standing here before you. I'm not rebellious to God. I love his word. But I think we get confused if we make it, okay, I'm not rebellious. But I have that state of remorse. Okay, I'm good. I think that's the problem with a lot of, I know here at church lately we've been calling them American Christians. They are remorseful. They do feel bad for their sins. They do feel terrible. They do feel guilty inside. You see, you come to church every Sunday, and you're singing praise and worship to a holy God, and you think back, man, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. I should have. And that goes on week in and week out. The Bible, there is another step, church. I'm here to tell you, remorse is not the way to heaven. Remorse, you're getting close. It, it is good to feel convicted. It is good feel, to feel that sense of torture, inner torture over the wrongs that you've done. You're getting close. But how about if I told you, what, How if if I was judged and God said, you didn't make it. You were remorseful. But God, I felt bad every time I did sins. I, I felt terrible over it. What do you mean I don't make it? And then maybe I see one of you in the pit of hell, and we're talking, and I'm probably screaming it, and I say, man, I was close to making it. Close isn't good enough, is it? It's not good to be close to make it into heaven. You want to make it in. You don't want to be cl- I was so close to making it. Remorse is getting close. You're on the right path, but remorse will not get you into heaven. Being remor- Just feeling sorry for what you did will not get you into heaven. I want you to understand that and know that. The Bible says in James, you believe that there is one God, you do well. But so do the devils, and they tremble. You see what I mean? Yes, you believe. Yes, you believe. Yeah, you feel bad for what you do, for the sins you commit. But the devils believe, and they tremble, the Bible says. They tremble. I'm telling you, remorse does not get you into heaven. Just, yeah, saying a prayer, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. There is more to it than that. And all this relates to some of the services we've been having lately. All of them do. We've got to take that step to get to that third R, repentance. My notes are a mess here. It's been a busy week. Let me take you to the parable. Well, actually, it's not a parable. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10 this is good stuff. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 17. Uh, Jesus is, well, prior to this at least, Jesus is uh, blessing little children. Remember the Someone brought the little children to Jesus, and the disciples said, Beat it, you punks. And Jesus got mad and said, No, suffer the little children to come unto me. And he blessed them. And then, right after that, here we go. We're going to pick up in verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled unto him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. Thou knowest the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy mother and thy father. And he said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy cross, and follow me." And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now listen to me, that is the remorseful man. This man, I believe he was sincere. The Bible says he came running to Jesus. The Bible says he kneeled down and said, you know, good master, what can I do to inherit eternal life? I believe this guy did try to obey, thou shalt not steal. I do believe that. I believe he was sincere. How can I get eternal life? But he was remorseful because the Bible says, when God said, one thing lackest thou, go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me, and you will have treasures in heaven. The Bible said he went away sad, sad, remorseful. He felt bad because he was rich. He couldn't give up the riches. He couldn't sell them, everything that he had, and follow Christ. He was remorseful over it. I'm sure that the rest of the rich young ruler's life, every time he got into his golden chariot with 24-inch rims or whatever it had, I'm sure he felt bad over it. I'm sure he felt, I'm sure when he was 90 years old and getting ready to die, I'm sure he fought back to the day that Jesus Christ said, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me i'm sure his life was full of remorse i'm sure he felt bad the bible says he went away sad he didn't go away saying that jerk he's crazy i ain't selling all my stuff no the bible said he was sad over it because he had great riches he possessed great riches he was sad but that man did not make it to heaven unless later in his life he did what christ told him to do because that's what he was commanded he did not make it it said he went away and Sad, but he couldn't do it. He could not do it. There is a third R, church. It's repentance. That man was remorseful. He felt bad. He felt terrible over it. He wanted eternal life. He was tortured on the inside. It is what it is. I believe the remorseful people are the people that are going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't I do all these great works? They're going to be the people that are, what? When God says, no. The Bible says to the people that say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this? And the Bible says God's going to pro- proclaim to them, depart from me, because I never knew you. Those are the people that are sad over their sins, that are remorseful. He's going to say, "No, I don't know you. I don't know you." He's going to pro- he's going to proclaim that to those people. But didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? Yeah, you did feel bad when you sinned. You did feel bad when you cursed. You did feel bad. But I wanted something more than that. <clears throat> Remember the Bible says that Jesus is going to put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. But those remorseful people are going to be the goats on the left, and He says they're going to a, the place that was prepared for the devil and his angels, the eternal fire. That's where the goats are going to go, the ones on the left. They're going to say, "But, but, but when did you come to me to get I?" I would have given you a drink. Remember, he says I was thirsty. You didn't give me a drink. I was hungry. You didn't give me any food. They're going to say, "What? When did he, he said At least of these, my brethren? If you would have done it to them, then you do it to me." The the people that are feeling remorseful that only make it to that second stage, the remorse. Sure, they made it past rebellion, but they only made it to remorsefulness. They're going to be like, "What?" They'll, they'll be the ones shocked on Judgment Day. What are you talking about? I would have, If I saw Christ in the, in the street hungry and naked, I would have given you food and clothing. I would have given you a drink. He says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. You're going to the lake of fire. Prepare for the devils and his angels. You'd be shocked on that day. Shocked. <clears throat> the third R, Repentance. Now, don't be confused. Remorsefulness and repentance, easy to get confused. I think that's part of the problem with American Christians. Listen, here's where it gets confusing, but don't be confused. I'm going to throw some more definitions at you. The definition of repentance, to feel so contrite over one's sins as to change or to decide to change one way, one's way. To feel so contrite over one's sin, that okay, there's the similarity right there. There is that sense. Ah, oh, I feel terrible over what I've done. That sense of remorse is so similar to remorse, but in repentance, it's as to to feel that way, then as to change one's way. You see the difference. You see how it's easy to confuse. That's where us American Christianity we feel that sense. Uh, we feel that sense of guilt when we do wrong. We slip up, make mistakes. We do feel bad. But then the Bible says in repentance, you feel so bad so as to change one's ways. But let's go back. Let me read that definition one more time. To feel so contrite over one's sins as to change or decide to change one's ways. Okay, that throws another word out at us. Contrite. The Bible says to feel so contrite. Well, we got to do another definition. First, before we do that definition, i got a couple of scriptures because I've seen that word contrite appear in this Bible. I've come across it a time or two. Back in Psalms, chapter 34. So we have the word contrite before us. Psalms 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save such as be of a contrite spirit. Okay, I want that. Whatever that contrite word is, I want that, because the Bible says he saves such as a contrite spirit. Okay, well, now we've got to get to the definition of that word, but real quick, let's look at another time it appears, Psalms 51. Does everyone remember what Psalms 51 is? Remember? Psalms 51 was written because of a man's sin. David sinned with Bathsheba. And he wrote Psalms fifty one because of it. Let's look at verse seventeen. Psalms fifty one, verse seventeen says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not Thou will not despise. There it is, the word contrite again. Well, now it's time to look at the definition. Bible says God will save such that has a contrite heart. A contrite and broken spirit God will not despise. Repentance means to feel so contrite as to change. Feel so contrite over one's sins as to change. Definition of contrite now. Don't be confused. Don't get remorse and repentance confused. Contrite means, contrition means a deep, crushing sorrow for one's sins with a true purpose of amendment a deep crushing sorrow with a true purpose of making amends for your sins now notice the first three words in that definition are a deep crushing sorrow let's go back to the second r which is remorse the definition a deep torturing sense of guilt they're so similar aren't they so easy to confuse See, we feel bad over our sins. We feel bad. Oh, man, I feel terrible that I did this, or terrible that I cheated, that I lied, or whatever that I did, that I stole, or I did this at work. And we replace We think that's contrite. We think that's having a contrite heart. We think that's repentance. But it's not. So easy to confuse, and that's where American Christianity steps in. We've confused it with feeling remorseful. Contrite contrition does not mean remorseful. Contrition is the next step. Repentance is the next step beyond feeling just bad for your sins. Are you hearing me tonight? Contrition is a deep crushing sorrow for one's sins with a true purpose of amendment. Let me take you to Isaiah chapter 57. Ain't nothing wrong with jumping around in the Bible every now and again. Isaiah chapter 57. This is good stuff. We're going to look at verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth in eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The high and lofty one whose name is holy, he dwells with those that have contrition in them, who feel a deep, just deep, sorrowful terrible feeling inside of them for their sins, that they actually want to make amendment for their sins. He doesn't dwell for the ones that just feel bad over their sins. He dwells, the Holy One, the Most High, the Bible says His name is Holy. He dwells with those who want to make amendments for what they've done. Do you understand that? See the difference between just feeling bad for your sin and actually wanting to do something about it. Remorse is not the ticket to heaven. It is not. It is not. Isaiah chapter 66. Let's go on a few more chapters. This is a good chunk of scripture also. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is thy place of rest? For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Bible saying, man, God is so awesome. Where am I going to sit? Where am I going to house? Where is my house going to be? I've made all these things. Bible says he's so awesome. He's so heavenly. He's so holy. But yet, the Bible says, to this man will I look. This holy, heavenly, awesome God, powerful God, great and terrible God, his eyes will be upon the man whose heart is contrite. Continually contrite. Continually repentant. Let's read that definition of repentance again. Now that we know what the word contrite means, To feel so contrite over one's sins as to change or decide to change one's ways. Are you starting to understand repentance now? A little bit at least? Maybe you had it mastered already. I don't know. I didn't. Well, lucky for us, that's not the only definition of repentance. There's a few more, and we're going to look at them. Another one. Another definition of repentance, to feel such regret or dissatisfaction over as to change one's mind about. And then, after that, it gave me a synonym that said penitent. Oh, I didn't, oh, I've didn't. i heard penitent before. I've heard the term penitence. I've heard that before. So I went ahead and looked it up. Hopefully you're not getting confused by all the, the definitions. A good dictionary will take you a long way sometimes. Let me read that one more time before we look at penitent real quick. That second uh, definition, to feel such regret or dissatisfaction over as to change one's mind about. You see how repentance takes that step beyond remorse? It's almost like repentance is, is remorse with the will to change. It's remorse with the will to make amendment for what you have done. You understand that? I'll tell you, this did me a lot of good. And I'm telling you, I just felt like this is the word of the Lord for this church, and it's just going hand in hand with what's been going on lately. Um, to me, over in Sunday school, a lot of the same scriptures been getting read over there that get read here. A lot of the same scriptures that get read over there, I've even seen get used in some of the videos we've seen. A lot of scriptures I've been reading at home just on my own. I come to church and they're getting preached on from the pulpit. I'm telling you, God is trying to say, New Hope Body, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Get this. You're my children. You're going to understand repentance. You're not, I'm not going to leave you alone at the, just at the second R, remorse. Because that's not good enough. That's close, but not good enough. I don't want to be close to making it to heaven. Man, I was close. Yes, I was so close. I don't want that to be me. I don't want him to look at me and say, get to the left. I don't want him to come to me and when the reaper comes and grim reaper takes me. I don't want to be bundled up with the tares. Bible says, cut and dry. Throw the tares in the fire, bundle up the wheat, and put it in my barn. Take it to my house. He says, I don't want to be a terror. But we're not done yet. Penitence. Let me read to you the definition of penitence, since it is a synonym to repentance. Penitence means sorry or ashamed for having done wrong and willing to atone for it. Sorry for what you did and willing to atone for what you did. Now you go back to the Old Testament. What did they do to atone for their sins? They sacrificed lambs, sheep, this, that. They sacrificed things. Now we come to the New Testament. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Think of all those lambs that were sacrificed to make atonement for those sins. That's how they did it back then, before the time of Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now listen, not only so, But we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we now have received the atonement. There's that word again. Let's look at penitence again real quick. Sorry or ashamed for having done wrong and willing to atone. Christ Jesus is our atonement. Is it starting to tie together now, church? Remorse, repentance. You starting to understand? Repentance. I think God wants us to learn true repentance.
1: <clears throat>
0: Sorry or ashamed for having done wrong and willing to atone for it. <clears throat> okay. Got to throw another definition at you: Atonement. To atone. Means to become reconciled, to make amends or reparation, satisfaction given for a wrongdoing. Reconciliation. That's Christ Jesus. We're reconciled through repentance in Christ Jesus. He is our atonement. We learn what all that means now. To become reconciled, to make amends or reparations, satisfaction given for a wrongdoing. That wrong that you did is satisfied through the atonement of Christ Jesus. Repentance, to feel so contrite over one's sins as to change or decide to change one's ways. Repentance, to feel such regret or dissatisfaction over as to change one's mind about. Penitent. What did God, or what did Jesus say to the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. You see, if that woman had true repentance in her heart, she was busted red-handed, couldn't lie about it. There was people with stones ready to kill her. Jesus Wrote in the sand, which was awesome, he that has no sin, let him cast the first stone. They were all convicted, the Bible says, dropped their stone and walked out of there. The Bible says, if you say you have no sin, you're lying. They all dropped their stone and walked out of there. But it's so important. See, we write that off and say, hey, Jesus said, look, you don't have any sins. And See, look, that lady got busted red-handed. If you don't have, we do that. That's our d- defense mechanism. Well, Jesus said, if you don't have any sin, you can't throw stones at me. But Jesus Christ told that lady, he summed it up, he said, go and sin no more. You see, he didn't pull her out of there just to save her from getting stoned. That's your physical death. He was trying to save her from spiritual death when he said, go and sin no more. Don't do any more of that. I just, You were just busted, red-handed, committing adultery. Don't do that anymore. True repentance leads us to not sinning anymore. You understand that? If you struggle with alcoholism and you feel bad over it and you just feel terribly guilty over it, that's not going to get you into heaven. There is another step. You will be relentless. You will relentlessly pursue overcoming alcoholism if you are repentant. If you repent, you will have the will. I don't want that anymore. It is behind me. I don't, you don't get saved and continue to struggle with alcoholism and die. That's not how it works, church. That's not how it works. Bible says he came to set the captives free. Does your Bible not work if you still struggle with sin? You understand that? He came to set the captives free. He came to loose bonds. He came to take blinders off of our eyes to make the blind see. That's repentance is going and sin no more. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you remember when he did the Sermon on the Mount? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit, that led me to think of the contrite that contrition, those that are just constantly have a hatred for sin in their life and constantly want to make amends, atone for that sin. The Bible says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those are the people, the poor in spirit. The Bible, God says he'll dwell with those with the contrite heart. Now, us human beings, I am... Just a master of excuses, trying to whittle my way out of things. That's what I do. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. I'll pay for it later, dagnabbit.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: this Friday will be my 10, 10th year wedding anniversary. And I'm pretty proud of that. I, I'm so proud because man, divorce is just going crazy these days. And I'm proud to say that I am very much in love with my wife worse today than I was even way back then when it was all fresh and new. God only makes things better and better. It's like the ball rolls and continues to get gather more and more. I'm telling you, that's the world's view of marriage is just a lie. It is. Uh, this Friday's 10 years for me and Shannon. I want to take you back about 10 and a half years ago. Just, I don't know how many months before we were married. And I don't know what the situation was, but me and Shannon were at her mom's house. and We were in Shannon's room. I told you I'm probably going to pay for this. But if memory serves me correctly, Shannon had a moment of weakness and attacked me.
1: She, 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 couldn't. She's looking.
0: She couldn't help herself. I, you
1: know.
0: Now, in that moment, stop laughing. You're gonna make it worse. You're gonna make it worse. <laughs> In that moment, left unchecked, could have led to us doing things we were not supposed to be doing. Like I said, if memory serves me correctly, it was her. But in that moment, I will not lie and I will not forget this until my dying day. The television turned on as loud as it could go. You know what I'm talking about. The television just came on. It just came on and the volume was all the way up. Now I thought, well, maybe I stepped on the remote or something. <laughs> that, that was my first instinct. You know, maybe you stepped on a remote because I had a remote. The remote was about 10 feet away, laying on the dresser. Now I want to read to you a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you can laugh. I don't get very embarrassed about things. Honestly, I don't. I try to be see through, see through as I can. Maybe I should hide some stuff. <laughs> now, listen to what happened to me. I told you the TV turned on, volume all the way up, broke the moment up. The Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. You get what I'm saying, church? We use excuses. I couldn't help myself. It was too much for me. I had to give in to temptation. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, I will give you a way to escape. I will make a way. I'll turn on the TV right in that moment where you're weak. You understand that? You understand that he, the Bible does not say, uh, well, I understand you, you had to give in. Uh, you struggle with alcoholism. I understand. The Bible says you don't struggle with that all by yourself. There's millions of people that struggle with the same thing. You understand? I'm telling you, he will make a way that we can escape. I remember years ago, it was over in the old sanctuary. This sanctuary wasn't even here. Me and Ron Holsher were praying with an individual. Up at the altar, it was in that very corner. Remember where we keep used to keep the old wooden cross over there? It was over If you're in the pew. It was on the right side. There was a man over there. He was a mess. He was an alcoholic. And me and Ron went to pray for him. And I'll never forget, just to me, Ron was an awesome guy. Awesome, not just a man, man of God. And you can't deny that. Man of God, and Ron whispered in his ear, I'll never forget it. We were praying away, praying away, and Ron whispered in his ear. He struggled with alcoholism. He said, how many times does a man have to nearly drown before he stops playing by the riverbank? Now, that makes so much sense. You understand, if, you're, if your sin that you struggle with, instead of continually feeling remorseful, avoid it altogether. If let's just say you have a problem with uh, pornography on the internet. If if nobody's around, you get on there and look at things you shouldn't. Then I'll tell you what. Instead of just standing in front of the computer saying I'm stronger than that, get rid of the whole entire thing. Get rid of the internet out of your home. How many times does a man have to nearly drown before he stops playing by the edge of the water? Do you see what I'm saying? If you lust after cars, whatever it is, take an alternate route around the car lot. Whatever it, Don't just walk up to it and say, I'm strong. If you struggle with booze, don't go to the bars. Don't hang out with people that go to the bars. Don't hang out with that crowd that pulls you back into that. You understand that? No temptation can just conquer you at will. You have to give in to it. You have to give in to it, and the Bible says he will provide a way of escape. He will. There will be an alternate route for you to take. So make whatever your weakness is, don't even make it an option. Chop it clean out of your life. Bible says pluck your right eye clean out. Bible says lop your right hand clean off if it offends you. Better to enter into heaven blind, better to enter into heaven halt than to not enter in at all. I'm telling you, don't just try to be strong. That That's humanism. Don't just try to say Bless God, I can stand right here and look at my weakness. Bible says there is a sin that easily besets. There is a weakness. You have a weakness, Brian. You have a weakness. You have weakness. You have weakness. It might be different than my weakness. If your weakness is in this area, I might be strong in it. But bless God, I have my weaknesses. We all do. Whatever it is, if it's gossip, and there's a certain person you call and you like to gossip with that person, don't call that person anymore. You see, don't call them and say, well, I'm going to call them and just not gossip. Just don't even call the person anymore. Take the temptation clear out of your life. Just cut it clear out. Pluck the eye clean out of the socket. I want to be the sheep on the right. The Bible says, enter into your rest. You are my good and faithful servant. I prepared this place for you, the Bible says. I'm going to start winding this down. Mike, if I can have you come up. Repentance, church, is to feel so contrite over your sins that you change. We, we've we got to get to the third R. Not rebellion. We'll get past that. Not just remorse. We're on the way when we get to remorsefulness, but we've got to get past remorsefulness unto repentance to a place where we repent to a place where we detest and loathe sin where we detest and loathe the sin that is in us we hate it that's how we're supposed to feel towards sin towards the enemy hatred towards sin hatred towards the enemy detest him detest all the things he does rebuke everything that he does rebuke every principality of darkness in your life rebuke it study your word get in your word i'm telling you it's so rich Um, if i can study it you can study it if zero is being a big dummy and 100 is a genius i'm probably a 50 i'm just an average man but i'm telling you what god tells us the most holy one his name is holy He will dwell with the man's heart who is contrite, who has a broken spirit, who loathes his sin, who comes before God and says, God, I'm not just sorry. I don't want to do it anymore. Everyone's sorry. You understand that? Criminals are sorry. Murderers are sorry. They all feel bad. Everyone feels bad. They'll call someone a name. Go gossip. Sure, you feel bad. Sure, you feel a little bit convicted. Now, I probably shouldn't have done that. Bible says you've got to take it a step further. You've got to take it a step further. Because you believe that there's one God, you do well. But the devils believe too, and they tremble. And they're going to dwell in eternal lake of fire. But yet they believe in God. They're still going to dwell. Because just you saying, I believe in you, Jesus, I accept you. I'm telling you, that's not repentance. We've got to repent we have to repent. We have to find that state of repentance. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. If there's something you're dealing with, man, work on it. Work on it. If you're alive, you should be in a constant state of trying to perfect yourself in Christ Jesus. You understand it? Whether you achieve perfection or not, that's not the point. But you should try for it. Try. Every day, God. And I'm telling you, it doesn't come in our own strength. I'm not telling you to be an awesome person and now you can conquer everything. That's the humanism worldview. That's not what we're all about. Christ Jesus is our atonement. We are to abide in his word. If we abide in his word, the Bible says, we will hear his voice. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. If you're not abiding in this word, you're not going to hear his voice. On judgment day, you're going to be surprised. He's going to say, I'm sorry, you get to the left. You're a goat. You're not a sheep. But I said, Lord, Lord. Church, that's all I have for you. Rebellion, remorse, and repentance, the three R's. Repentance is the only one that counts. Repentance is the only thing that gets you to heaven. Repentance for sin, contrite heart. To make amendments for your sins. Listen, if you're dealing with anything, we're going to have a short altar call. If you are dealing with anything, if you thought remorseful was, being remorseful was enough, if that's all you do is feel bad, make your way to the altar and tell God. Don't feel embarrassed. I, I tell you embarrassing stories about myself all the time. I usually preach from my areas of weakness. Ain't nothing to feel embarrassed about. The Bible says we all deal with certain things. Make your way to the altar. Cry out to a living God who is alive, who does save. The Bible says He will save those who have a contrite heart. He will. Amen.